Welcome to the Everyday Ultra Podcast, a show designed to help you level up your training, crush your races, and ultimately become a better endurance athlete every single day. Whether you're an endurance athlete as a hobby or someone who wants to be the best in the sport, this is the show for you. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and thank you so much for listening. Now, let's get into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and today we have an awesome episode right in time for one of the biggest races in the entire world happening this weekend, and that is the race known no other as the Western States 100, the Super Bowl of trail racing in the United States, all going down in Olympic Valley all the way to Auburn this Saturday. And man, the field is stacked this year with a ton of great athletes, despite Jim Walmsley, the GOAT, uh, or I would say the modern day GOAT, not showing up at this year's race. It's still stacked with an amazing field with a ton of amazing contenders, and it's going to be such an awesome race. And one of those contenders is our guest today, Arlen Glick. Now, this guy has been taking the ultra running world by storm over the past year, or I should say the past two years, racking up wins at some of the biggest races across the nation, such as the Mohican 100, which he's won that twice, the Burning River 100 miler, which he won as well, coming in first place, and then also uh, the Jackpot 100 USTAF Championship coming in first place for males for that, and then most recently, and quite frankly, one of the most impressive wins was at the 2021 Havelina 100, coming in at just over 13 hours, uh, coming in first place and securing his golden ticket for this weekend's Western States 100, which he will be racing in, and I think he. He's a dark horse to come in and really, really uh, take the field by surprise out there. So it's going to be an awesome, awesome race for Arlen out there. I mean, he's not only such a talented runner, but his mindset and approach to running is just so awesome and unique and resilient. And I think, you know, after you hear this episode today, you're going to be like, dang, this guy... I think he's going to be one of the one of the favorites out there. I mean, he tells a story. I don't want to spoil it. A, a story about how he came back to win an ultra, and it was just unbelievable. And uh, man, just to see the grit, the resilience, and and the wisdom that this dude has out there, um, I really think that he he's going to put out an amazing show on Saturday for sure. And uh, not only that, he's such an awesome guy, a really kind dude, and just an all-around just amazing human being. So Arlen, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show again. Excited to have you on here. And uh, before we dive into the episode, I want to give a shout out to a company that Arlen is uh, sponsored by, which is called UR Ultra. And the U is as a U, like the letter U as an umbrella, and then R as in the color red. Um, So UR Ultra. And basically what it is, is a platform where you can host your own race and basically have it as the registration platform for a race that you want to run. So if you are looking to create an ultra and you're looking for a great way to have a platform that's going to give you the way to collect registrations and collect fees and everything like that, UR Ultra is a way to do it. And the thing that's cool about UR Ultra is it not only focuses on you, the race director, and your runners, but it also focuses on giving back to the community because it is a veteran-owned company that really, as a portion of every race registration that you have that goes into there, um, a portion of that will go to charity. So, um, you know, it's a super great way to make a tremendous impact on the community as well, as well as just putting on a great ultra race. So, If you're looking a way to really not only give back to the running community, but give back to charity as well, host your race on UR Ultra. I think it's a super cool platform. Um, I know it has my bid uh, if I ever, you know, plan to run like an everyday ultra, ultra marathon or something like that. I think that would be cool. Um, But anyways, check out UR Ultra at uh, UR, like the two letters ultra.com and you can learn all about them. So wanted to give them a quick shout out. Um, looks super awesome. You can also sign up for races on the website as well, um, which is super cool. So whether you're looking to uh, host your own race or you're looking to register for a race, um, UR Ultra will have it. So that's UR Ultra. 
Com. And now, without further ado, let's get into this episode with the amazing Arlen Glick. Uh, you're going to really enjoy this one. I know that I did. And uh, I hope it gets you pumped for Western States. I hope it gets you pumped to follow Arlen and super excited for you to dive in. Thank you so much for listening and let's get into the episode. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Corsione. And today, I could not be more excited for this episode. I was just uh, telling him and probably coming off a little bit fanboyish, but I was telling him that I've just been following his journey and his incredible results that this guy's pulled off, you know, since his, his early, I mean, his, his really, really early ultra running career. Um, and it's just been absolutely impressive. And right now he's calling in uh, from Auburn, California, as he's prepping for the granddaddy of the U.S. trail races, Western States 100, which he actually got in through a golden ticket at the famed Havelina 100 last year in 2021. But that's not the only impressive result that he's gotten. He's also came first place in the Burning River 100 miler, first place in the Mohican 100 miler, first place in the Umstead 100 miler, second place of the Tunnel Hill 100, won the Jackpot Ultra 100-mile USATF championship last year, I mean, or this year in 2022. Feels like, it feels like last year, just like given all this stuff that's been happening lately. But regardless, this guy's stats are unbelievable. And he's so young in his career that I don't think this is uh, the first we're ever going to hear of this guest because he's just taking the ultra world by storm and he's coming into Western States. I, I, I think someone uh, to watch out for, I know he's, he's trying to fly under the radar a little bit, but uh, man, I, I think the results just kind of speak for himself in there. And we're, we're having him on the podcast today to just get to know him a little more because kind of like a, I like to say, Arlen, like you're a little bit of like an elusive figure, like not on social media, like not too many interviews out there. So to have you on here, man, is an absolute pleasure. And thank you for uh, for, for coming in here to, to speak with me. And everybody, Arlen Glick is our guest today on the podcast. Arlen, thank you for coming on, man. I appreciate you. Man, that's awesome, dude. Like, yeah, I've had a few other interviews, but uh, this one has got to rank right up there for the best intro. Like, if that doesn't get your 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 heart pumping, nothing will. <laughs> Thank you for that, man. Yeah, and it, dude, the intro is well deserved, man. I mean, I feel like you deserve all the fanfare for it because it's just a, impressive to see your journey. And um, man, at such a young age, to 20, uh, 29, like, dude, you have so much ahead of you and you've already accomplished so much and it's just so cool to like have people who are up and coming in the scene and just taking the world by storm and coming in so the intro my friend is well deserved um but for our listeners here who are just getting introduced to you or maybe they know of you but don't really know who arlen is tell us a little bit about how you you got into the ultra scene and how you got into running because i i know the story i think it's unique but i i think uh it's it's just awesome to hear it from yourself so how did you get into this crazy world of ultra running yeah there's there's a lot of angles um i will try to fast forward through some of it um basically i started running with like no aspirations of of doing it like competitively i don't i don't have a competitive nature i, I don't i don't necessarily enjoy racing i just love stretching myself so i got in like trying to just uh, just trying to be healthy basically trying to get in shape did a little bit of road running, um, didn't take it seriously for several years, finally ran my first race and, and ended up winning it. And it's so funny because it was like this wee little trail race. And I started out in the middle of the pack and like the gun went off and, and we climbed this hill and all of a sudden I was passing everybody and it got really tight on the trail. And I'm like, are these people like, I thought this was a race. Like I thought these people were good. I thought I was just an average Joe. And anyhow, when ended up winning the race and, and I was like, Whoa, where have I been? Um, so I, I didn't even know there was like a trail and ultra community at that time. Like I was mm. oblivious to that. So I just thought road races were the only thing out there. Um, so got in, went through, did, did some marathons and stuff, but kind of always hated the intensity. Um, and always was hungry for what is further than the last race I ran. Like every time I ran a race, I was thinking, I wasn't thinking about the race I was doing. I was thinking, what is the next, what's the next distance, mm -hmm. um, quickly got sucked into hundred mile races. 
And that's where I think that I begin to shine a little bit and it like really set me apart. Like my hundred miles are just so distanced from my other races that I don't even like, like they should have an, uh, an option where you can delete stuff off of alter sign up. I would love to only have <laughs> <laughs> only have hundred milers on there, but <laughs> um, yeah. So that's kind of where, where it started, had a fairly decent performance at my first hundred miler ever. And yeah, since the last, I think two years has been basically only focusing on the hundred mile distance. So that's kind of where I've been, where I'm headed. That is awesome, man. And plus one on the, uh, being able to delete some ultra sign up stuff. I would be totally down for that feature <laughs> as well, but it's like, it, it's awesome. I think you found your niche in a hundred milers. Cause like, dude, I mean, I, I had the ultra sign up pulled up here. It is just one, 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 so many ones down the list, like of all the hundred milers there. And it seems like you've really mastered. I'm, I'm curious though, to go a little bit back into your background, like so for, for you getting into running, I know you mentioned it was like to get healthy. Did you have like a running background before, like background in athletics, or did you just kind of just start running for like really the first time ever? Cause like these numbers say, yeah, I think on first glance, you think, oh, this, this guy might've been running forever, but I'm curious, like from your background, are you like a relatively new runner or is this kind of like been in your DNA for a while? I would say like some of both. Like, no, I have no background in running, didn't run in school or anything. I mean, we were homeschooled, had like, was oblivious to the, to the culture. I mean, I thought that like, my perspective was if somebody ran a marathon, like, I didn't even know how far that was, but I thought they pretty much like were about to die at the end. <laughs> like, I didn't realize that some people like actually enjoy it. Um, and so like it, my perspective was so like messed up, but anyway, got into it, but like, yeah, it took, so I've been running for probably around 10 years. Hmm. I don't even know. That's how like unserious I was at first. Like, I don't even remember my first run or, or know why I did really. It just kind of like came from nothing. Um, I would say I got more serious every year though, like consistently more serious every year about it. Mm, that's awesome, man. I mean, like, and yeah, with the, it, it's so interesting to see, like, to hear you describe that moment of kind of like when it clicks, like when you were just passing people and you're like, oh, like maybe there's something that's here and you keep putting yourself in these situations and kind of showing yourself like, wow, like I'm, I'm pretty good at this and and really just going from there. I, I'm, I'm curious from your perspective, right? Cause you had like quick success really early on what do you think like attributed to that, right? Like someone who is kind of newer in the space, newer, especially at the hundred miler distance and you come out and kind of crush it. What would you say, at least in your kind of view and perspective, like really led you to this early on success? Cause a lot of people take some few years, few races to kind of figure it out, but it seemed for you, it like, it clicked very quickly. So like, what would you say that that was for you? I, I don't know. Like my, my training, I don't have a coach. And like, I just kind of do my thing and it seems to work and I don't really know what I'm doing, but, you know, leave good enough alone. Um, early success. I I'm still trying to figure that one out because like, I can look at someone that has the perfect ingredients for a hundred miler and like, they can go out and just suck on race day. And mm -hmm. like, I wish I could say what it was like, what it is. I would say I got really lucky with nutrition because some of the stuff I did early on, there's no rhyme or reason why it worked. Um, mm. But it kind of did. And, and I, I had, you know, we're talking all about success. Like I've had some serious like setbacks and major like crunches within races. Um, I can't believe I haven't DNF'd yet. Like mm. I, it's like, I don't know how to say it, but like, I feel so much more fortunate, but I think, and I was just talking with, with Cole earlier today about the Cole Watson as we were doing our training run. And I think that like mentality, like if you want just a belt buckle, you have a better chance of winning the race than if you want to win the race. Like, mm. I think like, and I've always been more the cautious kind of a very, yeah, very cautious kind of guy. And, and it might not sound cautious that I run hundred mile races, but like cautious in my own sort of way. Um, definitely not competitive. So I, 
don't tend to be the one to get caught up running with somebody else's race, like trying to execute somebody else's plan. I'm usually fairly good at like being honest with myself and like Mm. focusing on what I want to do. Um, so I don't know like early success why that worked, but here I am. Yeah, for real. Clearly something's working in there too. And I'm, I'm sure like it'll start to, to, to come out, but that, I think what you said is really interesting how you don't have this, or at least to your quote of saying like, you know, you have a better chance of finishing the race. If you just want to finish, you just want the belt buckle instead of winning. And I, you know, I totally agree. I feel like that fixation on the win can sometimes, can sometimes be like pressuresome. And it's so interesting to see that you face that. So when you're going into these races, is that like your mindset? Like, do you like basically just say, Hey, I'm just going to go out there, have a good day. Like, do you set goals for yourself or is it more just like, I'm going to enjoy the ride and see what happens. Like, how do you kind of approach these things? Cause, um, you ended up winning a lot of them. And so, um, curious to hear that. <laughs> yeah, no, I am definitely not a goal setter. Like I've mm. set some goals, but goals always screw me up. Like mm. I'm always so far off, whether good or bad, that the goal, it's like, why did I even set that goal? Like I was so fat, so much faster or so much slower that I, I don't know. I don't really like to set goals because I think that that puts a cap on something like that. Mm. When you have your goal set, then it's like you have, you have something in mind and you're, you're like limiting your potential to either do better or worse and like execute your plan all the way through. Because I think Mm -hmm. so many times guys set goals and they get into the race. And to be honest with you, like our heads are our biggest limiting factor. I mean, like to think of, I was telling Cole today, if I were to tell you each story of every hundred mile race I won, you would be like, that was a miracle. Like after every one, because it was like, how did that work? Like I had major problems, but simply just trying to get to the finish line and watching, like, you wouldn't believe some of the fields of guys I've stacked up against. And just like on a day when I had a bad day, everybody had a bad day. And I somehow Mm -hmm. wound up at the finish line before they did. And it's funny to see how that, like how effective, just a finish goal mindset is it's like very effective. Um, I think it like unlocks a potential to where you don't get caught up in somebody else's race and you can really just do your best. Mm, That's so powerful, man. I think that thank you for sharing that. That's like so cool. And like the more I kind of think about it when you say it, right. Like a lot of people will like DNF like from a race because they're like, Oh, I'm not going to win. So like, whatever. And they take themselves out of the card. Whereas like, if they're just finishing, they're not going to DNF and maybe they end up calling the ranks or something, or something just clicks and you're not like maybe getting caught up in someone else's race. Like you mentioned before, I think that is so cool to see that you have this like very, uh, non-traditional approach to goal setting, which is great. And I think in results, you get like the non-traditional results. And I'm curious, like, cause I know you mentioned, you're like, if I tell a story of like a hundred mile race, like you would think it's a miracle. Like I was wondering, could you tell us like one of those stories? Like maybe one that's like particularly like your favorite um, because I, I, I always, I, I love to hear these and um, would love to hear one. So w- would you be able to share one of those with us here? Yeah. Okay. Like, dude, I, I had no idea we were going to go here, but this was, yeah. <laughs> like my mind totally goes to one specific race. So the canal corridor 100 it's it's basically our local tunnel hill race Mm -hmm. it used to be in july so a super hot race i've run it i think twice so Mm. um it got when covid everything shut down i you know umstead got canceled i went out and did my own little hundred mile um run by myself like oh my gosh what do you yeah because I was I was like so excited about Umstead and the race got canceled I had already tapered for the race and everything so like that was in March I believe so which is kind of when COVID like really Mm. went boom so like come July the canal corridor was like the first ultra to start up like there had everything before that had been canceled and it was like up to the day of the race the, the race directors didn't know if Canal Corridor was going to happen, oh, wow. but it did. 
And it was so, it was so fun because like it sucked a bunch of like really tough guys because mm-hmm. all their races got canceled. And so it was like, this was the only ultra happening. Um, and we oh. had like, I mean, I, just to mention a few, like we had Travis Zipfel, we had, uh, we had John Olson, we had Olivier LeBlanc, we had like, oh, just, man. and like tons of guys that I'm not even mentioning. So I'm this, you know, I'm the local guy and there, there was some other really strong local runners. We kind of had a really good local batch. And then with the cancelizations, we had like a good batch of guys from out of state that showed up. And so like, I didn't know, I was so intimidated by the field. There was like at least 10 guys that were every bit as fast as me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like going out against this field. So I, I take off and we had the wave starts. So we had like three people every, every minute. And so we had, and, and, and we went out. And so I didn't, I think I was in the first wave. Yes, I was in the first wave. And we had, so I had to calculate like how far back these guys are. And in an ultra, it doesn't really matter. Usually you're an hour apart or whatever. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) but we got, we got into the race and all of a sudden, like I was in, I think sixth or seventh place, somewhere in there around six at 50 miles. Like the other Mm. guys were, hadn't just like beat me. They, They passed me. Like they made up the difference that I started ahead. They were just clearly dominating this race. And like some of the guys dropped out early because how fast everybody went out. Like they just, mm. they were hurting and it just looked bad for them. There again, like my philosophy, finish the race. Like if you're having a bad day, if your head's playing tricks with you, play the tricks all the way to the finish line. Mm. Um, so I'm, I, I get to 70 miles and I pick up my pacer and I'm like, I'm like, okay, how's it going? They're like, you're looking strong. And I'm like, well, I'm not really feeling that strong, but, and, and I spotted the guy in front of me and I'm like, I asked who, who I, I, that's right. I knew who it was, is remarkable. And mm. I'm like talking to him and I asked where uh, Martin Earl is. And, and my pace is like, who's Martin Earl? Like, like Israel's the only guy up there. And I'm like, what? Oh like what God. happened to the other guys? Like I didn't pass these guys. Apparently they were at like aid stations dropping out and different things. All of a sudden there's one guy in front of me and I've got 30 miles to go. Oh and my. so, yeah. And I'm like, okay, this is why, you know, it's just getting exciting. <laughs> um, so I ended up passing him and he was clearly having a rough day. Like he had overheated major. I mean, in Ohio, it gets hot and there mm. is humidity, like the, no cooling techniques work there. You just simply mm. have to have to be able to take the heat. Um, so we, we have a, we have a, a, a good race. I'm, I'm in the lead now and I'm like 15 minutes ahead. And all of a sudden I realized that like Olivier was the next one behind me. And he was mm. like the most intimidating figure we had because he's very good at beyond the hundred mile distance. Like I knew he would execute a plan all the way to the end. Well, there was, there was a confusion with an aid station, uh, not being open when we got there. And so we had a 10 mile section that I didn't know we were going to have no water, nothing. It was a a big unexpected challenge. And this was from 80 to 90 miles. Um, so I, and I looked and this was at a turnaround point. We turned around at 85 miles. So on the way back, I look at Olivier, I meet him and it's like seven minutes out, seven minutes back, whatever, I'm like 15 minutes. I'm like three minutes behind. He had started three minutes behind me. So I had that whole aspect fighting me, but I'm like, I'm going to execute my plan anyway. Um, I had a kind of a rough spell trying to get back to the aid station where I could get hydrated. Mm-hmm. I didn't spend as much time there as I probably should have because Olivier was, you know, kind of on my heels, mm-hmm. um, got out of there. And the next, the next aid station, this is where it gets, this is where it gets fun. Um, get to the next aid station. And I mean, I got to take a dump. I mean, I had been dehydrated. <laughs> My system was so screwed up that like, till I got to 94 miles, I felt like I had been run over by a, a, a train. Oh and gosh. so I, I go in the, in the Port of John and it's, it's 90 degrees that day. And I, and I went into Porter John. It was so hot. The heat wave, literally, I, I collapsed. And, I mean, it no was, way. yeah, 
<laughs> so I, and, and I, I, I did my business and, you know, I don't know how to say it, but you know, there's a good indicator of your hydration levels by, you know, the colors things are, oh, well, yeah. mine was the worst I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it was, oh, it was Brown and I'm like, Oh no. And I come out of the port of John realizing this is like a life threatening situation. Mm. And I've only got six miles. Like normally I would just suck it up and go to the, you know, fight to the finish. But I'm like this, this could be a career ending move if I do something wrong. So mm. I come out of the port of John and I'm like, okay guys, I don't want to die. And they were, <laughs> my crew was like kind of surprised that I was willing to say that. Um, <laughs> but we got, I got, I drank some Coke and I got drank a bunch and I got going and which was a miracle. And I ran out of the aid station, but I was hurting so bad that till I got out of the aid state, like I had to walk, I could, clearly couldn't run, but I wanted Olivier's crew to see me run out of the aid station that way. They, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I knew if I walked out, they would be like, dude, the guys in front, the guy in front of you is walking. But like, yeah. I knew I had to, it didn't matter if I spent five minutes there or 10 minutes there. What mattered was that they saw me run out of there. So I get just out of sight. And I mean, my legs just collapse and I'm just like, I had to walk. Well, my pacer is just like dynamite. De Derek Miller, he's, he's going to be pacing me here, here in Western State. He's just, oh, nice. he is just dynamite. Well, he walks with me and he's, he's trying to encourage me and, and, and whatever. Well, I get about a half mile into it and I realize I didn't leave everything in the border, John. And I was oh, like, you no. got to be kidding me. Like, I thought that like, that was the biggest sacrifice I could make was stop at the Porta John. Well, no. So I had to hit the woods. Well, my legs were absolutely shredded. So I had to like, <laughs> you know, there was no, nothing to sit on. So I'm laying on the ground oh, doing my no. business. I, I mean, I don't know if this is okay for your podcast, but this dude, is just nothing's off I mean, limits. This is great, right? An ultra <laughs> yeah. podcast. Yeah, and, it's and, an, it's an ultra. If there's no ultra, there's no going in the woods. It's not an ultra yeah, podcast. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so so I'm laying on the ground, you know, trying to get rid of the, my business, and I realized no, I clearly not. The Porter John was not enough. Well, I get back up, and I had to use a fence. There was a fence there. And I tried to, and I actually used the fence to, to climb, like to stand up. There was no way I could stand up on my own power without like using the fence. Oh I get gosh. up and, and I, and I look ahead and, and our, the first female runner is coming down the trail right after I, I did that. Well, and, and she went by, she's like, you're leaving it all out at the end. And, and, and my pacer, he's like, he's like, dude. If she only knew, like what she just said, right? It's like it was intended. Yeah, you left it all out. Like literally. major pun, unintended pun. Like major. So I get back up. Well, by now, like I cannot run. Like I mean, walking is a miracle. And I know Olivier's. Like I had spent a good five to ten minutes there, and I knew he had about he was about fifteen minutes back. And this is where my pacer is just electric. He's like, he's like Arlen. He said, if you win this race with a chuckle in his voice, he goes, if you win this race, you will have one story to tell. And, you know, my mind, my mind was, I mean, absolutely trashed at this point, but that was just enough to make it funny. And, you know, if you can laugh when you're in that much pain like that, it's, that is what needs to happen. So we get back up and we get, we're, we're walking. We walked probably a half mile or so. And I'm like, there is no reason under the sun that, that Olivier, like, like he totally should have caught me by now, but I'm like one step at a time. Now, remember he's three minutes back. So if he catches me, he's three minutes ahead. Like oh. I knew if he saw me, it, I was absolutely <laughs> toast. Like he was going to. Well, this is where Derek, like after walking a mile with no hopes, I thought I was going to walk all the way to the finish. Finally, Derek's like, hey, Arlen, if your head's just playing a game on you, why don't you try to run one more time? Olivier hasn't caught us. He's probably hurt. And just like you, he probably something went wrong. And I, I started running. And we were doing like 11 minute pace, you know, on a flat course. That's not bad at all. Well, not really. 
before you know it, I was running eight thirties. What? I, and, and I made it, I made it to like 90, the 97 mile mark, uh, 96 and a half. And I had run in, I run into the aid station and I'm like, okay, this, there's some light at the end of this tunnel. Like I could maybe win this race. So my crew said, um, Olivier is, is 11 minutes back. You've got nothing to worry about. And I'm like, that's encouraging. What they didn't know is that I had not only used the port john but I spent five minutes in the woods. Mm. They, when they said 11 minutes, they watched me go out of the aid station and they watched Olivier go out uh. and it was 11 minutes apart. They didn't know that I had the, the worst three miles of my life. Oh my gosh. So I'm climbing the first and it was a flat course, but there's one big climb like back into, back into the finish line. And it's a road section and I'm climbing this road and I hear Derek's phone. Like I hear he gets a text message and he says, he says, Oh, they just text. They said, Olivier's not as far back as we thought. He's only four minutes. <gasps> now, <laughs> I mean, even with a head that's completely trashed, I can, I can, you know, deduct three from four and come up with one. And yeah. I'm like, you are kidding me. We've got three <laughs> miles to go. And he is one minute behind me. Oh, and no. if he get, and I knew it's, I started to realize at this point, I was not going to see Olivier till the finish. And when I got there, I wouldn't know if I won. Mm. Like, imagine that you're running as hard as you possibly can. And you don't know if you're going to win. You don't know, like, you're not going to know that you won until three minutes gets that. So I charged for all I was worth to that, to that finish line, which ended up being a mile further than what I thought they, oh, they gosh. told me at the aid station. So I like ran, you know, all out <laughs> oh, at, no. at, at 99, you know, from 98 to 99 and then realized I had a whole nother mile ahead. Oh. I get to the finish line and just was in absolute torment as I sat there and watched the clock sat there. They took pictures of me and I looked like, uh, I looked like I was staring at a ghost. I mean, it was, it was the most amazing. Um, but anyway, ended up putting like eight minutes on him in the last oh eight minutes of chip God. time. I mean, like he had given up. He clearly could have possibly taken me out, but he didn't know with that three minute precious gap was actually the thing that, that worked to my favor. I thought it was wow. going to be to my fate, but it was actually to my favor. So that's just one story of a hundred mile win that was like, just how did that actually happen? Uh, but I have a bunch of those. So anyway, you got your story. <laughs> that was incredible. And you know what? Kudos, your pacer was right because you ran that race. You did have a heck of a story with that. Like that is <laughs> unbelievable. But I think it's like, it's also just like, first of all, hilarious story, by the way, like I, I loved every second of it, but it's just like so crazy to think like, that you were in like this terrible shape. You're like, I can't run and everything. And then you're clipping eight thirty paces. You're putting a gap on him. Like it's just, that's just like a crazy turnaround. And just like one small comment, like one small, whether it's like how far yeah. behind he is or like even your pace are saying, just having a story and just having a laugh and just turn it around like that. Like, dude, that's like incredible. Like, how do you like in those moments, right? Like those are the things Those like small things. Are you like, consciously trying to find those things like when you're in dark spots like in a race because I know you mentioned there's a few other stories but is that kind of like a common recurring theme or like uh, I'm curious yeah like yeah definitely I'm looking for those things but they're actually it's harder and harder to, to trick your mind when you get better and better at it but like mm. it's the past experiences of of those times where I won the race and the odds were completely against me that give me hope when I'm in a race. Like I am not disappointed one bit if I'm 60 miles into a race and I'm in 10th place. Like I am as hopeful I'm going to win as I ever was. It's it's kind of a, a, a sort of a different philosophy where like I feel good. I find security in being, you know, way back in the field. And that was the hard thing with Havelina going out and being in the lead for a lot of the race was like, I heard that these golden ticket races, people run out wicked fast yeah. and like they all blow up. And so I'm taking my strategy into it. But when I was out there running, I had to be real honest with myself and I was running easily within myself. 
And mm-hmm. I'm like, this is hard to actually run within myself, but be this far up in the field. Like that was oh. different. It put a completely different spin on my like race strategy where I couldn't say, I'm going to catch these guys at the end. Like I just had to run my own race. And that was on that day, it was running in front of people. Um, Whoa, that's crazy. Were you like right out the gate in the beginning? But like, like, did you just kind of have like an ideal pace to be like, Hey, this is the pace I'm going to go. And then like, you were just ahead of people and you were like, well, this is the pace I'm supposed to go at. And it was like, how, yeah. how much of the race were you leading from like, or I guess, when did you start to lead? Because I'm, I'm curious to see like what that was. Yeah. Cause I agree with the golden ticket races. Usually they're super fast and people just rip their legs and, and so on. But that's interesting to hear. I didn't know that. Yeah. So the way it unfolded, we took off out of the gate and I like went super easy. And all of a sudden I'm like running right beside Ryan. And I'm like, I'm like, Ryan, aren't, aren't we going slow? Like, <laughs> is my watch off? Cause we're the only ones up there. And Ryan's like, dude, we are running slow. Like this is slow. We we're doing just fine. And I'm like, where's Whoa. the guys at? Like, there's some tough dudes back there. I know. And it's hard to run in front of guys that you know are way faster than you. Like, especially with my mentality. Well, mm. pretty soon we did get caught by, uh, I forget his, uh, David, I think is his first name, uh, Dave. And he, and he clearly passed this. He wanted to lead the race. He, oh, yeah. Whatever. But like, he told us a little bit about how he didn't sleep the night before and how he mm. didn't prepare for the heat and he wasn't taking any time at aid station. So like, when he passed me, it was like, this is fun, but I, I wasn't really like, <laughs> I, I, I wasn't, I, it sounds so mean, but it no, just, he was not, he, he was not an intimidating character on the day. And I mean, the guy is, is awesome. He, yeah. he won run rabbit run. I mean, the guy's awesome. Okay. Right. Like kudos to him. <laughs> but so I'm running with Ryan a lot of the time, but we were actually getting separated and back and forth almost for the first like 45 miles. Mm-hmm. And the reason being it, it might've looked like a tight battle. It was not at all. We were both like super chill, but he was not taking near as much time at aid stations. So I would catch him and I felt like it was, it was easy to catch up with him. But then like every aid station, I was icing down, soaking myself down, filling my water bottles. I was making sure I was taking all the time I needed. And during that, he would always pass me. Um, mm. so it looked like we were in this gruesome battle for the first 45 miles, but it wasn't that way at all. It's just, we had different strategy, um, mm. until we got, yeah, I think around 45 miles. Then I never saw him after that. I think I, you know, the lead was very small after that, just slowly creeped ahead. Um, and then I think I put most of the time on him in like the last 10 miles of the race. Um, mm. but yeah, that's just the way, the way it unfolded. So yeah, I was up early. So I would have technically taken the final lead at 45 miles, um, but mm. was kind of with the lead from 30. Cause David, uh, Dave, he, he dropped out at 31 miles. Oh, gotcha. So, so he was done pretty early in the race. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of what it looked like. That's so, that, and that's an interesting mindset, right? Because I think it's like usually one or the other. It's like, you know, th- there's the, the camp that starts out real fast, right? And just wants to be at the front and then they fizzle out, like we mentioned too. But then like the second camp, which is like the one that people, it sounds like at Javelina are starting to really get on with is like, hey, like run slow in the beginning, like don't be front, like those kind of things. And then, and then like, to your point, like pounce at the end. But it's so interesting to see, like when you're feeling good and you're at the front, it's kind of like this, like this, like screwy kind of place where you're just like, man, like, what do, what do I do? Like, what do I like? That's a man. I feel like that is like a tough, like mental pickle for sure. So to say. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely something that I had never really experienced. I mean, I led races from the get go, but never a competitive field like that. And so that Mm. was a very tricky spin that it put on my inexperienced head. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. I I would, yeah, that would even just like trip me up. Even, even if I've like never been in like a situation like that, like that would totally mess me up. Like, especially if I had a plan to be in the back and and come in and capitalize and all those things. And yeah, which is amazing. And to, to get to that pace that like you're at, right. Like, so, you know, you, you have like a certain pace, like you have like a certain field to go at, I guess, like, what is the training that kind of like goes into that? Cause you're a fast runner. You're very speedy. I mean, like, 
the javelina time was 1310 which is just bananas um so how did like have you always been a fast runner is that something that is just ink like just increased over time or i guess maybe the better way to ask the question is like how do you kind of like approach your training to to really be able to sustain that pace or to to get to the level where you're at it's so funny because i i don't have a coach I was out running with Cole Watson today and we're talking about this because he's a coach. He's like just yeah. this amazing guy. He's got a, like a, I asked him today, a 406 mile, like 218 marathon. The guy has just got wheels yeah. and, and we were picking each other's brain because I'm like this, I, I've got a 240 marathon. I almost hate to mention it. I, and and I, with all respect, like I know a lot of guys would kill to have that. So I like, I want to give it what it's worth, mm-hmm. but I love racing guys that are way faster than me, but go into the hundred mile because, you know, we can have a, a good race, give us enough, enough runway and we can have a good race. Um, my training, that's where it looks really weird. So like when I was training for my a race last year, the, the Mohican 100, I was doing a ton of running on course and mm. surprising enough, like almost none of my training runs were at race day pace. Like I averaged a faster pace on race day than most of my training runs. And like, and I think what it goes to show, like almost all of my running is at right around hundred mile effort, but -hmm. it's actually with the volume that I put in, it's a lot of times actually slower than Mm hundred mile pace, but it's a hundred mile effort. Mm -hmm. And I was telling Cole, like, I don't know what I'm doing. But like, I don't claim to have the best strategy, but I kind of want to leave good enough alone and just go with it because it kind of seems to work for me. Um, I do a ton of like back-to-back long runs, like almost every weekend. Last weekend I did a solo effort, but it was a 50 mile effort. Mm -hmm. So like, I'm just putting a ton of miles on sore legs is basically my approach. And I think it, it caters well to, the hundred mile distance, like I don't actually feel good a lot of times until a good 40 miles into the race. Um, my training mm. runs are the same way. I often feel better the further I go. So like, I think it just takes me a long time to get, to get the wood stove heated up. Like, I think that's just like, I think that's the way I'm naturally built. I think that's the way my head works best. And that's the way my training works out. That's interesting, man. That's, and that makes so much sense of like, why, like maybe a marathon's not the best, but give, give you the miles, give you the leeway. Like you can, you can outlast the people. And it really like, cause like an ultra, I mean, like the marathon's all about speed, but I think like an ultra, and I'm sure you agree is all about like outlasting and pivoting. And like, I mean, obviously like your story is a good example, just so many roadblocks and how you handle them and bounce back from it. It seems like from your own uh, experience, just like the bounce back, I feel like is there too. And the running on tired legs and all that, which is so interesting. How do you like, I mean, do you, do you pre-rate your workouts in advance? Like as like someone who kind of like does it itself, is it kind of just all on feel? Like, I'm always curious with like people. Cause like for me, I, if I had, if I didn't have a coach, I would have zero idea what I'm doing. Like I would, I, I wouldn't know what to do. Um, but maybe that's like a good thing, but I'm like, how do I approach it? So like, I guess, how do you kind of like approach your training? And it's interesting too, because on Strava, it's like a, it's like a, at least for going into Western, it's like a straight line up, yeah. like no, no, uh, no dips. Um, yeah. Yeah. So how do you approach that? There, there, uh, and the reason for that straight line buildup was simply injury. Like I had to build, mm-hmm. I had to build from the ground up. I mean, I was, I was weaker than my grandmother when I, uh, <laughs> when I started my training block. But yeah, I think like, it's funny when you say, if you didn't have a coach, you would have no idea what to do. That's probably where I'm at. Like (laughs) I look, I look at my overall volume and I go with it. Like I am not good at speed work. I don't like it. I don't really do it. Um, Occasionally, like I try to get a few decent speed workouts in, but like maybe a handful before Mm. a race. Um, and it's usually in the final couple weeks, kind of after I start to taper off on volume, kind of that sweet spot there where I slip a couple of speed workouts. In. But like for states, I'm trying to get, you know, like 20,000 feet of vert a week, 
So I'm doing mm. like a million hill repeats. I mean, that's literally most of my running is, is trying to get hills because I'm from Ohio, you know, right. and we have some major hills in Ohio, but they're not, they're not 2000, 3000 <laughs> foot climbs. They're like 300 feet and you got to just climb it a bunch. So some of my hill work, hill repeats are probably similar to like interval training, but mm. so far I've been keeping the effort really low. I've been doing some where I'm running hard down, getting ready for net downhill, but yeah. I actually have not done anywhere I'm running really hard up yet. Mm, that makes sense. Well, that, yeah, that totally makes sense with all the vert, especially like in dealing with all the different terrain at Western States and everything like that. But uh, it's so funny to say, it's like, yeah, like that, that's where you're at. Not, not no idea what you're doing, but it's paying off. Like, it's just, it, it, <laughs> it blows my mind, but I think at the same time, right. It like, I think you have paint a good picture because some people think they need a coach or they need a plan or they need these things. Right. And it's like, maybe you don't like, maybe, maybe you just need to go out and just kind of have fun and figure it out and, and see where it is. And you don't have to do that to, to let alone be good at the sport, but just have fun with it. Right. Like um, I think that's just so interesting that you just have that approach. And again, it's clearly working and uh, I'm, I'm just amazed by it because I, I think w with your results, it's just, uh, it, it's impressive. Like, I feel like you do know what you're doing, but at the same time, like you say, you don't, and it's, uh, it's, um, yeah, it's just so interesting to me. Yeah. So like one thing to kind of, to kind of wrap that up or, or one comment, I often tell people because I have like, I, I don't coach, but like, I love runners. Like when people reach out to me and, and ask for advice or whatever, like it, it just makes me feel so good if I'm helping someone else. Mm. Um, but like when people ask me what to, you know, what should I do in this scenario? And I usually tell them, well, you know, be careful, like, don't do what I do, do what I say, because <laughs> like, if somebody decided they wanted to be, you know, beat Arlen Glick. And so they went out and did, they wanted to train like him. I would be like, that's, that may just totally not work for you because mm. Like, I think you got to find what works for you. And, and for me, I do what I train the way I like. I race the way I like. I, I don't like high intensity stuff. Um, and so, and, and I think that helps me keep injury free by simply doing volume, but not a ton of speed. I think when you mm -hmm. mix the two is when things get dangerous. Um, you either become Jim Walmsley or you know, in the hospital, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Vastly different options. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's, that's interesting to say. Yeah. Cause I mean, speed work, I know a ton of people too, who start to get a little wiggles or like Achilles issues or just like these different things. And I think it's like, when you have your body kind of like doing all these different intensities and different muscle movements and like different way it impacts. Right. Like, I feel like it can just totally shake up the body, which is just totally interesting, which like speaking of injuries and everything like that, do you do anything for recovery or do you have like a recovery protocol or is it like, do you think it's more the miles that kind of help out? I'm, I'm curious to hear from that standpoint. Like we usually don't ask too many guests like on this podcast, that question, just because it can get, it's a little bit of a cliche question, but I'm curious for you. Cause I know you put in a ton of volume. You're, you're doing a lot of long runs. Like you just had a 50 last week. You're in Auburn for, for a training block for a little training thing for Western. I'm sure you're going to get a lot of miles in. How are you recovering? Like uh, in between all that? Yeah. I like, I, I treat uh, each day differently. Like I take mm -hmm. one day at a time. Um, right now recovery is smooth. It's clockwork. Like, I mean, my 50 miles, I felt, I did that on a Friday. I went out the next morning and ran 10 and, and couldn't feel it at all. So like, oh my like, I don't know if you would even treat this as recovery. Like after a hundred miles, if I have a, a good race and I don't get hurt, I can go out and run, I think like 60 miles the next week, um, which, which may sound like a lot, but I actually feel the best doing that. But like to, to bring a little perspective. I, I race some of these flat hundreds, flat altars, mm. and they tear the lights out of me. So like with everything in perspective, when I'm training for a trail race, I'm doing a lot of trail miles. I can handle a ton of volume, but like jackpot was the perfect example. Mm. My volume peaked lower than a lot of my other races, but I went into it with a little bit of a neck in my hip. 
and it just tore that thing up like a hundred a hundred miles of of basically all paved and a good amount of it concrete was just like absolutely tore me to pieces so and that race was one that I was so confident going into like I thought this was just going to be my time to shine like my first 50 miles at jackpot I think I ran 604 and it was the easiest effort easiest six hours of effort I've ever put into a race. Like it was just going so smooth. And then like I got hurt so bad. I couldn't even feel the pain because my head was in such a solid place, but like they were taking pictures and even at 60 miles, I looked back at some of the pictures and I was already leaning. Like it was just Mm -hmm. an absolute crash and burn. Um, It was so weird because I was so confused on race day because I'm like, I can't even feel this pain, but like my pace is dropping. Something's not right, but I couldn't even, I couldn't even troubleshoot because my head was in such a solid place that I couldn't feel the pain, couldn't troubleshoot, which is awesome. Like if I didn't have <laughs> yeah, that's that, great. Yeah, it's good if problem. I didn't have that, I wouldn't have made it to the finish line. Like there's no way um, if I didn't have my head at such a solid place, but there we go. Like that's, that's what happens on a bad day. <laughs> Oh my gosh. That's so interesting. Cause I do remember seeing like the, the video of you like finishing like jackpot and there was that little lean a little bit. And I was like, Oh like, yeah, you know, maybe it's typical hundred miles, but I didn't know it was just like this like crazy hip pain that you just basically tricked your mind into not feeling the pain just by feeling so good, which is what like, I feel like that's, that's the ultra yeah. hack right there. Like everybody wants that. They're like, how do, you, how do I do that? <laughs> yes. So it was so fun coming home from, I, I shouldn't say fun. It, it was, it was embarrassing <laughs> to my precious sisters who, who always crew for me. They're, they're trying to get maneuver through the airport with this, this guy. And I had a, a red eye flight on the way back. So it was like, no sleep race, get injured. I can hardly <laughs> walk. Like oh, no. I looked horrible. My therapist said she's only had one other person that looked worse than me come into her office. And it was a, it was like a 90 year old lady that just had hip replacements. So, and I was like, that's awesome. Like I took that as a compliment that I was able to do that to myself. So, um, but my sisters were like, we need to get you a shirt that says I ran a hundred miles yesterday. So, (laughs) so we're not so embarrassed because I'm too, too proud to, to ask for a wheelchair, but it it was so funny. The, the lady driving the cart at the airport was like, do you need a ride? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, sure. Because, you know, um, I'm a young guy. I look young. There's no reason I, I should be walking through an airport like I'm in a tremendous amount of pain. But anyway, that was jackpot. Like, usually, usually it's not that way. Trail races, I usually bounce right back. I feel great. It's just, yeah, the monotony of, of flat alters. Like, people... I think ultra running, like if you want to talk about problems within our community, they do not get enough credit for the people that run the flat ultras. Like there is mm. not enough credit for that. Now I'm not talking about a 50 K like you get take a fast marathoner and he can be a fast 50 K or I'm talking, yeah. you know, a hundred miles on the flat is the worst thing that I haven't been everywhere. Like Cocodona looks really fun right now. But yeah. I'll, I'll tell you, like a hundred on the flat is the worst thing you could do to your body. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I can imagine it, dude. Like I actually know a few people who did jackpot and they got messed up by it. Like, and like, these are people who have done to your point, they've done the triple crown of two hundreds. Like I know that they're beasts out there, but then like jackpot just totally shredded them. And it's like, man, like I, I can't even imagine just being just on that pavement just over and over. Cause I think the trails, man, it's got that variability. It's got like the softer ground, like, you know, you're sometimes like not even always running cause you're going up the Hills, like a, a vert. So I think it's just like, man, that monotony to your point, like, I feel it can just be so crushing. And even just from like a mental perspective, I mean, like I, I've never done one of those, but I feel like I would just get so like, I don't know, I want to say bored, but like, I don't know, like I, it's a weird feeling. Like, yeah. That's how I get feeling on, on a treadmill, but I don't know. I, uh, that would be my hunch. Yeah. I think everything that everything tough about ultras gets compounded and exaggerated to like the 10th power when you run a flat ultra, because yeah, you talk about those head games. It's not like boring. It's more like I 
hate this. It's it's just completely different because yes, you're totally right. The trails, when you have the up, the down, all the technical little, you know, control muscles are active the whole time. Um, You're left with nothing on the flat. (laughs) And like, so yeah, when you're hurt and when you blow up in a, in a trail race, what do you do? You walk the ups and you trot the downs. Yep. What, what do you do? When you blow up in a flat race, like, what do you do? I don't know. I guess you just, there's you no, the, yeah, no, rhythm. I don't know. It's like, do I walk a mile, run a mile? Like, what do you do? Like, oh. I've tried to figure that, like, if you can't run to the finish, you are in deep trouble. And like, <laughs> so few people can run like Zach Bitter's awesome. But for the rest of us, it's a struggle. I mean, yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. Uh, yeah. I can totally, ma- I didn't think about that too, because yeah, you can just walk the uphills and be like, all right, it's fine. Most people are probably doing this recover a little bit. Yeah. But the, the flat, you're just, uh, you're, you're stuck on that same grade the entire time. That's, uh, that's so interesting. It's so funny. Like not, I've never done one, not selling it for me right now, but you're, you're also confirming like the hunches. So I'm like, eh, maybe I'll, I'll stick to the trails. And, and speaking of non-flat ultras, I mean, you're, you're coming into one that's, that's not a flat ultra. Um, probably one of the most famous non-flat ultras out there in the world right now western states 100 and uh we'd love to just spend like the last few minutes of the podcast just just kind of hearing like how are you feeling going into this race and like how does it how does it feel to toe the line at at you know this prestigious race to be here with a bunch of legends out there like where where's your head at going into uh into western you know, I was, I was coming out here with this, with, in this, I've just been here one day and I was thinking it's going to be so fun to not be able to work and just relax and run. And then I realized uh, like it was, it was, it was bad because relaxing did not happen today. Like I woke up early this morning, could not sleep. Even after getting to bed late, I, I was so excited. I went out and got so like stoked uh, when I got out on the chorus that I'm realizing this week is not going to be relaxing. It is simply going to be just more fun than a barrel of monkeys. And so I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do with myself. Cause I'm, you know, I have, I, I was, I was trying to add up like how many miles can I run tomorrow and the next day and the next, and I was adding them up and I'm like, I'm coming up with way too many miles. Like how much <laughs> I want to run is like way too much, but I'm like trying to figure out, okay, how can I, where can I cut some corners here? Like, I don't want to hurt myself, but like, I want to have fun. Um, but yeah, like to, to look at the bigger picture, like I can't believe that I'm in States. I mean, I, yeah, like I hadn't had not applied for it yet. And like, I was just like, this is going to take so long if I ever want to run States and everything. And then they come up with this precious thing called the Havelina 100 golden ticket and it was the first like 100 mile golden ticket race and my in fact my pacer Derek Miller is the one that texted me and told me like Haveline is a golden ticket race and I'm like you've got to be kidding me a 100 mile golden ticket race like <laughs> that's like let's go this is this is my thing because quite quite frankly I think a lot of really good 100kers marathoners those kind of guys go and take the golden tickets and they mm. show up on race day and have a bad day, like a good mm. number of them. Um, but like, if you can win a hundred mile race, you like, you're going to probably do a lot better at States. Yeah. Um, but anyhow, I am just so stoked. Like my training, like I said, I, I built myself from the ground up just a few months ago, but like, I feel so solid. I feel like I'm putting in volume that I never have, but I'm feeling better and better and more rested than I ever have. So I'm really excited to see what the results are. But yeah, after seeing the course for a day, like I'm not going to make any claims like that. That looks hard. I mean, <laughs> that, that's, we weren't doing the point to point training run today. Both of them were out back, mm. but which is a lot harder because, you know, oh, race yeah, day, it'll be yeah. net down. But man, yeah, dude, it looks it looks hard. I ain't going to lie. Like it, it, it's I can't wait. <laughs> Oh man. What do you think is like the, the toughest thing that looks about it? Is it like the terrain? Is it, is it the heat? I, I know it wasn't hot there that like too much today, but like, what, what is like the, the thing that just like, looks like, Oh wow. Like this is, this is interesting. Yeah. I mean, the heat is definitely something that I love to tackle. Like that yeah. is my, 
that's my thing. But honestly, even that, it was still a little intimidating today. It only got up to 81 today, I think. And honestly, it felt pretty warm. I wasn't mm. using any cooling techniques, but like I sweated a ton today. Oh, and I was super dehydrated from flying in yeah. last night and I ran out of water and everything. But yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. It just, it just to think of a hundred miles of what I've seen today looks, looks hard, but I mean, I'm excited for it. I mean, that's, that's why we do it because it's hard. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Well, dude, I think with that mindset, man, I think it, there, there's, I think I, again, like you, you're going to, I think you're going to have a good day out there, man. Like it's uh, I think just, you know, not only are you talented, but you have the mindset of, of, I, I think a runner who just loves to run and loves to push themselves and love that challenge. And uh, I, I think with that unique perspective too, like I, it's so interesting. You said that of just not focusing on the win and just focusing on finishing and be there. And especially there, like, dude, I, I think, uh, I think you're going to have a ton of fun out there, man, and a good day. And uh, it's, it's going to be super awesome, man. And I'm, I'm stoked to follow you out there. And for, for anyone here who wants to, to can follow you going into Western, I know you're not a social media guy, um, which, which I respect 1 million percent, man. Like the way that you talk about it on uh, your interview with, uh, with Rob Steger on training for ultra, which definitely recommend everyone listen to um, is awesome. But where would you say is like the, the, the best place where people can, can follow you? Yeah. So I, 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 I have Strava cause I just love being able to see what people are doing, like what kind of training runs they're putting in. Um, but yeah, you can, you can, uh, look out on Strava or you can, or you can come out here to Auburn and, and see for yourself. Like it's after being here and seeing what's, what's here, like I'll probably be back every year, like racing or not. I mean, it just looks too much fun. Like we, Cole was showing me, um, up at, at Forest Hill and he's like, this place is packed. And I'm like, you mean this whole area? He's like, yes, the roads, you can't even park on these roads on race day. It's like going to be packed. And I'm like, this is, this sounds awesome. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I heard the, I heard the environment's nuts, man. So you definitely gotta, gotta let us all know what it's like to just be there and, and to, oh man, I'm, I'm so excited for you, man. You're, you're going to have an awesome time. Yeah can't wait oh man i can't wait for you too man it's going to be super super awesome man i'm going to be rooting for you i'm, I'm going to be definitely watching in and and, and seeing how you do and, and living vicariously through you for sure and uh, i'm sure our listeners will as well and uh for the last uh question on this podcast i'd ask all the guests that come on the show i'm curious to hear your perspective on this what can our listeners do every single day to be a better runner Oh boy. That's a tough one. <laughs> Putting you on the spot for the last one. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of like, when you have a bad idea, like a hundred miles, like sign up, just like when you're feeling it, go for it because like, and, and invest money that way you feel obligated, but yeah, like anything to trick your head into getting you locked into something hard, like, whatever it is, if something inspires you, if this podcast inspires you, then go do it. Like I would rather like someone hear this podcast and think I'm going to go run my first 5k. than someone here, listen to this podcast and say, I want to come beat Arlen at at Western States. Like I want to, like, I, I think there is so much value in our sport that like, I'm, I'm more about getting the people who know nothing about our sport in sucked into it. Then, then I am even the people that are already in our sport trying mm. to encourage them to push harder. But yeah, sign up is probably to put it in two words, sign up. I love that, man. It's so cool to see that you're looking to grow the community and, and get more people running and inspiring. And dude, I would tell you if I wasn't a runner and I, and I listen to this conversation, especially the epic story uh, of you during that hundred miler. I mean, like I was listening, I was like, I want that. Like as, as like, <laughs> crazy as it probably felt in the moment like it was probably just equally as epic so arlen man uh i would say good luck at western states you don't need it you're gonna go out and crush it man uh go crush it out at western man thank you so much for coming on dude this was so much fun a lot of laughs a lot of good stuff here and appreciate you coming on the show man yeah thanks so much for having me on really appreciate you 
Alright everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. Appreciate you listening in. And if you have any topics or guests or suggestions for the show, I would love to hear that because I want to make sure this show is so valuable to you that I'm able to provide all the things that you're looking for to become a better endurance athlete every day. So if you have those things, feel free to send them over to me on Instagram at Joe Corsione. That is my handle, J-O-E-C-O-R-C-I-O-N-E. And I'd be more than happy to fit it into the show, reach out to the guests that you're looking for, and ultimately give the value that you're looking for. Um, If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it. Uh, Would love to get more ultra runners and uh, people in the ultra endurance community listening to this podcast because the more this podcast grows, the better we're able to serve you as well. And so thank you so, so much again for listening in. I tell you, I do not take it lightly. And remember, my friends, become a better endurance athlete every single day. Take care.